Pandemonium Reigns back in your ears and in your speakers. So excited to be back with you again to talk what was a fantastic week seven of college football. Um, I'm Dan. He's Mike. Let's get into this thing. Let's enjoy it. It's halfway over, y'all. Halfway over. We're going to begin with Oregon, Washington. I told you. I told you. Man, I felt like I called this one. Man, I felt like I called it close, scrappy, but Washington was going to pull it out. Dude, if listen, the the level of detail that you gave me, if, if this had been any closer to the numbers that you gave with it, I might be trying to figure out what you're on right now because that was freaky, dude. That was absolutely freaky. Didn't get to watch uh, as much of this one as I wanted to. Went right. on a, a camping excursion this weekend and and – Thankful that we live in a, in a time where campgrounds have Wi-Fi. was able to watch my balls and a little bit other limited action. If, if you had been any closer on this, I would be coming to your front door, rummaging through your house, figuring out what you're on, because uh, that was freaky. I mean, I just imagined a few more scores, but I basically, I mean, it was a three-point final. I said it was going to be one to two points. But, dude, uh, I, I just want – here's all I, really, all I really want out of this. I want – to people to give respect to Bo Nix. You, you just have to do it at this point. It's time that I do it. I mean, I've not done it. I've been the last to get on board. Um, you know, to your point, you, you expect a couple more scores. Well, we're still getting used to, you know, chains rolling after first downs. We're still getting used to the, things like that. Sure. Uh, time of possession, I mean, it was, you know, pretty, pretty even. It wasn't crazy. 34-21, Oregon's favor to Washington's 25-39. That makes sense, though, because Oregon is a little more balanced, like I talked about, and they certainly, mm-hmm. certainly were in this game, uh, mm-hmm. running for 105 more yards than Washington, than Washington did. Yeah. But, man, you've got, you've got a special special quarterback for Washington. You've got, you've got outstanding receivers making plays. You've got a coach that is just proven how valuable he is, how, how much of a genius he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and these – look, these are your top two teams in the Pac-12. If if after Saturday there's any question that there's going to be a repeat, get go ahead, man. Just I mean, you got you can't you can't be questioning that at this point. You're obviously taking a shot at Southern Cal, but not, I agree with you. But Notre Dame is good. Absolutely, Notre Dame's good. But there's there's just underlying issues like their defense, man. And look, and I, and if we get to Utah, I'm sorry. If we get to USC and Notre Dame then I'll tell you how much worse that loss is than you probably think it is because it wasn't like they had 500 yards of total offense. They they didn't. They they picked Caleb Williams off three times and a half. They yeah. exposed them even further. Yeah. It, it's yeah. like I don't even want to say they were who we thought they were at this point. It's It doesn't even – they don't deserve that at this point. Yeah. They're, they're, so, they're not good. Yeah. They're really not. It, they're so justified to fall down to 18, 19, wherever it was they went to in the polls. That's, that's so deserved. These are your best two teams in this conference. This is absolutely round one, barring injury, you know, I, I don't know, barring literally like the end of the world. These are your, this is a Pac 12 championship game preview. And it was yeah. so, so awesome. Such yeah. An awesome game. So I want to talk about the end, how this thing really just unfolded. And yeah. the the statement that Washington made in, in doing what they did. I don't know if you saw the yeah. ending, but. They were down 33-29, and they went down and, and scored in like three plays, leaving Oregon about a minute and a half, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Yep. And 
the the commentators are like, whoa, Oregon did or, or Oregon, Washington did this too fast. You've left Oregon too much time. And I, I'm gonna sit under the impression that Washington was like, I dare you. See see if you can score. I, seriously. Let, let's see if you can do it. And if you can do it, we'll tip our cap. But and what I like about it is what it's what I've wanted Tennessee to be. It's what I wanted Tennessee to be in in the South Carolina game. Just go down and score. Put the ball in the freaking end zone because I'm not convinced that you can do it when you want to do it. And Washington's like, we're going to do it, and then we're going to dare you to do it as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Another beautiful thing about this game: there's not one sequence of scoring in this game where where the same team scored twice in a row, back and forth the entire way, just the way that, that it's supposed to be. Washington scores first, Oregon scores next. They oh, – oh, I missed one. I missed one early fourth quarter. Oregon did score back-to-back there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, just exactly what you want to take in when you view it, when you, when you tune into this beautiful sport, what an environment. If I ever go northwest in my lifetime, it's going to be in the fall. It's going to be to watch a Washington game. I don't care if they're good or not at the time. If I make it happen, it's going to be to take in that environment. I hope it's when they have a team like this, God yeah. willing. Yeah. But yeah, you're exactly correct. Just Oregon, I dare you to score. If you leave us one second, you've messed up. For, yeah, for sure. For sure. And it was it, it's basically Tennessee 2022. How many times were like, oh, you gave us 13 seconds? Watch us go kick a field goal. Yeah. I mean, the, the, consider the Alabama game when however much time was what was that under a minute? And yeah. Hooker's like, oh yeah, absolutely. My beer. And Michael Penix is just is just vying to be the next elite. Star quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that's what he's doing. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah, if that were to be the case, yeah, poor guy. But no, abs- I mean, absolutely, dude. Tough as nails. Uh, when when it comes to guys having all this eligibility with with the pandemic and everything, yeah. Thank God for guys like Michael Penix. That that. I mean, they just they just they make it so fun. I mean, truly, I'm I'm thankful for this game. That's that's how good it was. Uh, he is just admirable on the field. I I can't really think of a better word. I had no expectations for him to be like this when he came from Indiana. Um, and obviously it hurts to an extent because it, you know, because Butch Jones almost got him in Tennessee. Uh, thank Henry Pruitt for not doing that, you know. But, I, you know, he's, he's just demolishing expectations. He, he does it while taking care of the ball, keeping yeah. his team out of bad spots. Yeah. I just don't know how you ask for more in college yeah. football. Yeah, that's how I was going to end. I was going to end by saying, well, they just barely hit the over. Uh, the over-under was set at 67. I believe that's <laughs> 69. Um, nice. And then I was going to remind Tennessee fans that, yeah, uh, this is the guy who Jeremy Pruitt told to basically take a hike. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know, I, I just want to say this because I meant to say it in our orange cast talking about Tennessee, but, but it applies here as well. Uh, good teams win, great teams cover. Well said, my brother. Uh, Oregon travels to Washington, takes an L to the forehead. Ducks do not pull trucks. Huskies, 36-33. The Hogs find an L in Tuscaloosa. This is a game that we did not preview because we did not seeing this unfold the way that it did. But here's basically how this unfolded in a nutshell, and then I'm going to softball pitch it to you, brother. Alabama walked into halftime with a 21-6 lead and walked out with a win 24-21. Second half, uncharacteristic of Saban. Was it a was it a foot off the gas? Was it, I mean, what was the 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 narrative? What was the what was the tides issue? I mean, was 
Was Arkansas is Arkansas better than their record? You know, there's a lot of questions based around just that second half alone. If anyone's going to be better than their record, Arkansas certainly got a, a case because of their schedule so far, because of losing a home game to BYU, and it's not that BYU team. You know, there's no Zach Wilson per se, uh, but you lose to them at home. You come back, you go toe to toe with LSU uh, before LSU was playing kind of as poorly as they did there for a stretch. But yeah, if there's anyone in the country that's better than their record and their record being two and five now, it's it's Arkansas because the schedule's brutal. Um, because I think there's dudes on that team where if they if they just played a more evenly matched schedule, you know, wasn't so brutal, they'd yeah. be they'd be at least four and three, um, or something of that sort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh I'd I'd asked at some point, you know, Where's where's Pittman's heart and soul at? That effort that we saw early in his stint at Arkansas as a head coach for the first time, man, they left it all out there in Tuscaloosa. I mean, you're you're right. This is an odd, odd game for Nick Saban and a Nick Saban coach team to be held to three points uh, in the second half to almost surrender a 15 point lead and turn that into a loss. I mean, very odd game for a Nick Saban team. I don't know exactly what all led to it. I mean, I, I, I'd like to credit Arkansas in doing that. I, I just don't know if it's more Alabama that's at fault than, than credit going to Arkansas. Well, I do think there is there is an assessment that you can make on Alabama, and it, and it basically comes down to these words. Jalen Miller was sacked five times again. Yeah. So the common denominator is them at this point. You're correct. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, it, it's clear – that that Arkansas didn't let the and and it's it's so funny and and we keep talking about it but but Alabama's best pass play is the deep ball and that makes no sense when the guy great does deep not, ball man he, he doesn't do well or they they're not they don't turn the short pass into a medium to long pass you know yards after the catch he does not read the intermediate stuff well you know five to twenty yards or so stuff like that he, especially if it's his own defense he doesn't read that well. But the deep ball, he throws it so, so pretty, even and maybe even especially when he's about to get hit, which is terrifying uh, with, with Tennessee traveling in there next week. That's that's terrifying because the pressure you would think that that, that will be there and, and the way that he throws the ball when he's getting hit, it doesn't add up. They, they wanted to be death by the run game for mm. opposing defenses. They are most certainly not that. Yeah. Um, yet, yet another game where despite the sacks – his rush yards are just super peculiar because he didn't even he didn't even t- he didn't even net positive yards. His longest run was seven. Mm-hmm. These are just really weird things that makes me wonder if the hits have taken a toll. If there's something that we don't know about with him health wise, it's it's clear to me he is still your best quarterback in Tuscaloosa yeah. this season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No with question that. there. But but they just they're super kind of feast or famine with their offense at this point. I mean, it just doesn't add up. Let me let me present this scenario to you. Going into the week, let's let's rewind time. Let's say your final is going to be 21-24. I'm not telling you who the winner is. Your final is going to be 21-24. Jalen Milrow is going to go 10 for 21 and he's going to be sacked five times. Are you picking Bama to be that winner? Well, they have they what they've done this year at times is one against all odds. I mean, there were so many statistical categories that Texas A&M won or won handily. And they lose that game at home. So I'm probably still saying they lose the game with that in mind. But again, yeah. that's it's what <laughs> it, it it's got to be killing Saban. 
I mean, it's literally got to be taking years be. off his life at this point. But it's what they do right now. They they they're back to ugly wins. They they're back about fifteen years right now. A win is a win is a win, right? Amen, brother. The, the just the comments on Jalen Moreau. This is not obviously a preview. This is a recap episode. But I will say, if he throws a great deep ball and we don't want anything underneath, we press. And uh, something we would do really well is bringing pressure. I like that formula. I 100%. like it. Hundred percent. You I just like need it. a margin. You would just need a marginally better offensive game, really, for Tennessee to go do that. And it's not a preview. Yeah. But this Alabama team is it just it, it's the weirdest one that I can really recall. I mean, sure, I was a little perplexed with the things that Lane Kiffin got out of Blake Sims eight, nine years ago, mm-hmm. ten years ago, actually. Um, you know, I was I was perplexed by that. I'm more perplexed now because they've they've kind of got some of the old guard back in their coaching staff. Uh, you know, Kevin Stills back. Uh, they're definitely very fresh at offensive coordinator with Tommy Rees, but they're just super feast or famine. There's just not really in between. Yes. So check this out. <clears throat> Arkansas is going to be basically fighting for bowl eligibility with one, two, three, four, five games left. They're going to host Mississippi State. They're only a seven-point favorite. They're going to travel to Florida. They're going to host Auburn. They're going to host FIU and host Mizzou. He can only afford one more loss. You've got from what I see there, you've got one guaranteed win on that schedule. You got yep. one. I don't like their odds to be bowling come postseason. Don't like it. I don't. I don't either. Um, I do like matchups for them in each of those games. Uh, you know their their defensive line, their pass rush, Landon. Uh, gosh, what's his last name again? Coming yep. off the edge, number forty. Um, yeah, you know. All, I like. All I like matchups. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like matchups for them in all these games. Unfortunately, they're going to go to the swamp when they play Florida. Uh, they do they do get Mississippi State and Auburn at home if they win both those games. Mad credit to Sam Pittman after what we've seen so far. But, but yeah, I mean, going to be very tough sledding to get to bowl eligibility. And I just feel like, man, if he doesn't get to bowl eligibility, I, I don't know how, how much longer they can kind of continue with 500 not quite getting bowl eligibility, especially when you got a quarterback with the expectations KJ Jefferson had coming in. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. No kidding. Uh well, uh nonetheless, uh the Tide find a win at home 21-24 over the Hogs. You mentioned KJ Jefferson. Uh and one thing that I want to mention about KJ Jefferson, that boy lifts he lifts weights. He lifts weights. My uh, goodness. Let me tell you where he probably lifts weights at. He probably lifts weights, or he should, at North Forsyth Training and Fitness. What the greatest segue I've ever made right there. It Located was. at 4015 Browns Bridge Road in the coming area. If you're ready to change your life and you're ready to look like KJ Jefferson, NFTF is the place for you. Owner and head coach Jesse Foster. They have all the credentials, uh, all the experience to help you reach your goals. With morning classes, afternoon classes, all-day classes, uh, NFTF is a community-driven driven gym, so you not achieve your goals you do it together with a group of people that you're going to get to call friends and you're going to come out looking like kj jefferson contact jace uh, jesse foster today come check out what nftf is all about seven of six six three three six six zero nine that's forty fifteen browns bridge road tell them the boys at pandemonium reigns sent you the canes went up to chapel hill 
played the Tar Heels, lost 10 points, 41-31, now on a two-game losing streak that never should have happened. I'm not saying that just because you lost Georgia Tech means you're going to turn around and lose North Carolina. I just think North Carolina was the better team from top to bottom. Tez Walker is that dude. Mario Cristobal has things to figure out. There is pandemonium happening in the ACC. There absolutely is. And, and man, I just want to say, uh, knockout job previewing this game when I had to bounce the other day. Wish I could have previewed it with you because I had I had some bullets lined up for Mario Cristobal in their, in their direction. I just wasn't done with that Georgia Tech loss. And, and now, obviously, they're, they're done with it because they've added another one since then. Uh, they're rewarded with hosting a still talented Clemson team with a lot to prove of their own. They're, look, look, this is an unranked matchup of four and two teams. If you don't think that Dabo is losing sleep over being four and two and unranked coming into this game, check yourself. Okay, I, I, I wanted to preview the game for that reason because yeah. you've just you've, you're you're creating obstacles in your path that did not need to be there. Um, and and like you just said. The Georgia Tech loss, not even relevant to how much better North Carolina's playing than Miami had been, even if they'd won that game. Drake May with 273, four scores. He's going to do those things. He got the weapon that you just talked about in Tez Walker, who probably has the, the largest chip on his shoulder remaining in the college football season with the garbage that he went through. And and I love this result. Not, you know, No unnecessary shade at this point to Miami, but I love this result for – Mac Brown, Drake yeah. May, and, and Tez yeah. Walker, if no one else. Yeah, yeah. Tez Walker, man. Six catches, 132 yards, three touchdowns, three of the four that Drake May threw. I also mentioned this name in the preview, Omarion Hampton, and I basically told everyone, you need to watch out for this guy. I wanted this guy coming out of high school. He is a stud. 24 carries, 197 yards, and a touchdown with a long of 60. Um, he basically said – he looked at he looked at Miami and was like, I see blood on your face. Watch this. Hundred <laughs> like, percent. Watch watch me whip, bro. Uh and he <laughs> didn't. He whipped. Uh and you know what? I wanna I wanna come back to what I said going into the preview. I I, I basically said that I don't think Miami and the context that the emotional context that surrounded them at that point was going to be something that they could overcome to find a win in Chapel Hill. I think you can totally erase what took place against that night against Georgia Tech, and I think you still would have gotten the same result. So I'm going to basically say that I was wrong there because I think North Carolina was just that good on Saturday night. No, I, I agree. I mean, they are – and, and listen, they're doing it kind of quietly as well because they're just ranked uh, at the time of this game, number 12. They've since moved up to number nine, roughly. They're mm-hmm. just now scratching the top 10 at a 6-0 and t- clip uh, at this point, a team that is as balanced po- probably as they've been in the, the, the Mac Brown era. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did some really nice things offensively, uh, you know, five to ten years ago. They're doing those things again. They're getting better defensively. That was another – massive obstacle that they had to clear where they were winning shootouts, much like Tennessee's done at times for, for mm-hmm. you know our Orange listeners. They're playing better defense than they played. They are super, super balanced and super talented offensively. Yeah, yeah. And it's quiet. It, it's really, really quiet because FSU gets the attention as they should. They deserve attention. Yeah. But, you know, there's this. it's going to be a year at this point where 
four teams might not be enough. I don't think we're looking at 12 here, but it's going to be a tough four. It's going to be tough as we get down to four teams. And obviously teams are going to drop games that we don't expect. There's a reason they're played, but yeah, it's going to be a wild race to the finish here. Yeah. Uh, you, You mentioned playoffs and Florida state and all that stuff. I really like how North Carolina's season is going to finish out hosting Virginia, traveling to Georgia tech, of course, this is a game that they dropped last year at home, and they never should have dropped that one. Hosting Campbell, I yep. think they're the Mooses or the Camels or something like that. Campbell's. Uh, hosting Duke, that's going to be interesting, but Duke is without Riley Leonard, still playing really well, though. Traveling to Clemson and then traveling to NC State. It's a little bit of a rough stretch there, but I don't think it's anything outside uh, that North Carolina can't handle. I would pay all kinds of money to see a Florida State-North Carolina ACC championship game, man. 100%, especially – you know, unlike the Pac-12, where we where we look, I just I'm gonna say it again. We got the preview of the Pac-12 championship game this week, and we don't get that preview in the ACC if it's undefeated FSU, undefeated even if they have a loss here or there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't get that preview in the regular season. So I really, really, really want it to be that matchup. As of today, I, you know, until to, un, until this week, I'd have probably said I favor FSU by ten points or so. That's mm-hmm. a little bit closer for me right now. I think I think NC really really is is not getting a lot of attention while doing some really impressive stuff and fixing their flaws in the process. No reason at this point that they can't win a game against Clemson. Even going there, uh, Duke. Look, man, I, I respect the heck out of Duke. Elko doing a heck of a job. They mm-hmm. won the game twenty four to three on Saturday with their quarterback going four for twelve. Okay, they completed four passes. But again, there's no reason, like you just said, that they can't get past those teams. Mm-hmm. Do the things that they do, uh, and and you know just get get through those teams on the on the way to the ACC championship game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, closing this thing down, the over under set for this game was fifty seven. They did more than cover that between the two of them. I will say that Miami pulled their weight there. Uh, yeah, Carolina covered the spread. It was only set at three. It was basically a pick 'em. I said thirty five twenty one. Your final in Chapel Hill, Carolina forty one. Miami, 31. Uh, Before we begin to shut things down on today's pod, thanks for hanging out with us again. Make sure you hit like and subscribe and all those things. You got a couple things that you want to close with, man. Do it to it, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really two categories here to close this thing down. One that you know about, one that you don't, that I'm going to surprise you with a little bit. Uh, And actually, I can find a way to group them into one. So, the losers list is is only growing at this point of the season. It's it's moving season in college football. We're learning more and more. We we know what teams are to an extent, and there's a long list of losers, not only from this week of college football action, but from the season at this point. Right up there at the top of the list for me is and and I said it a moment ago, USC, Lincoln Riley, yeah, Taylor sure. Williams, exposed. Okay, Notre Dame again. It's not like they put up. 500 yards of offense on their way to demolishing you. Yeah. They did it with, with, you know, yardage in the three and the four hundreds. They didn't, they didn't exactly explode on you. You just were so bad that you went in there and got clapped against a good Notre Dame team. Let's not ignore that. Yes. Notre Dame's got a couple losses. They're not a bad team. They're a really good team. That's my top loser. Miami's right there at number two, because you should have never lost the Georgia tech game, but I'm not going to beat that horse, you know, anymore. That's a dead horse. And I'm going to leave it be Uh, Louisville. Louisville makes the losers list for me in this spot because they lose to Pitt, giving Pitt their second win of the year. I'm glad you the mentioned only, that. One. The only caveat is that 
there's this hashtag, there's this movement that we have talked about at length on this podcast, and that is road teams are struggling, especially yeah. road teams at yeah. night, especially when you factor in the weather in, in Pittsburgh the other night. It was nasty. Good grief, it was nasty. Uh, the, the next one, it's a double doozy. It is South Carolina, the Gamecocks. It is Kentucky and the Wildcats. Kentucky at this point is, is even with just their second loss. They're even for me with South Carolina because they are a fraud. They got, they were up 14 to zero at home against Missouri. They lose that game by 17 points. They take transfer quarterbacks that look uber talented and they coach them. They coach their draft stock down. They have the best receivers that they've ever had in school history. And they lose by 17 at home in Missouri. Uh, South Carolina, it's clear that they didn't build on last year's momentum at this point. They've got too many holes. Shane Beamer's seat has to heat up at some point. I just don't know how it wouldn't. This is, again, you know, they were up by 10 at home with nine and a half minutes left with Florida facing fourth and 10 plus, and they lose that game. Well, Gamecock That's fans terrible. want the head of Clayton White, their defense coordinator. They want, they want the head cut off, and I don't blame them. I really don't blame them. I don't either um, because you did give up 40 and 400 yards to Graham Mertz when they basically have one receiver in, in Gainesville right now, one established receiver. They've got some young talent. But you, you basically let Mertz and Pearsall, you know, polish off their draft stock to an extent is what you did. Uh, and closing this losers list out is Texas A&M because at some point you have to win a road game. At yeah. some point you have to win games when you are as talented as you are. Credit to Tennessee for winning that game as ugly as it was. But Texas A&M on the losers list. Uh, and the last one for me would just be offenses in general. You you look at Tennessee, what they did offensively on Saturday. Uh, you look at USC with their turnovers. Kentucky managing 21 points at home when you had an, an early 14-point lead. But I look at – I just look at the top 25. Okay, what is Michigan and Ohio State's offense going to do when the rubber hits the road against each other in yeah. the postseason? Yeah, I, I think I like Penn State's offense as much or more than at least one of them, if not more. Hard to uh, argue. You know, yeah, yeah. Texas, their offense lets them down to an extent against Oklahoma. There's that's really their only issue at this point, their only flaw for me. Mm-hmm. But my point is, I can go up and down the top twenty-five. I can go down the SEC, and and there's just offensive issues. There's a few really solid, really consistent offensive teams, and the list is something like Georgia, Florida State, Oklahoma. Washington, North Carolina, Oregon. Let's not let's not exclude Oregon. Uh, the list is much shorter, I think, than it's been. I think we're 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 getting back to some vintage defensive football. I think, but I don't know if it's more that or just we've lost the offensive firepower that we've had at times. Yeah, dude. Hey, I, I think that's a great list, man. Uh, I'd like to add one. Hit me. The entire college football world, because we've seen the last of Brock Bowers at the collegiate level, more than likely. It looks that way. Uh, you know, there's there's really conflicting reports with, with some just saying it's the tightrope procedure. You know, Tua went through it, said that Tillman went through it. And then there's others like Brett McMurphy reported that he's that he's likely done for the season with ankle with it looks like a different surgery than the tightrope because tightrope he could be back before the regular season ends. Otherwise mm-hmm. it might be pushing it back like Jalen Waddle did a few years ago in, in the COVID year, uh, I believe, or maybe twenty nineteen. Uh, with, uh, you know, a, a more severe injury or surgery. And, and look, Brock Bowers, I think, is the guy that would do that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like Hendon Hooker. He, 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 was on, he was on his way to New York with, with any justice yes. in this sport. Yes. And it's super unfortunate. He's obviously on a more dominant team than, than, than Hendon Hooker was. 
uh, and he's as dominant as they come in the sport. Uh, he should be a top five pick if he's done in college football. You can't change my mind of that. Every every team right now in the bottom five of the NFL could use him, and he would change their their outlook. But yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I hate to see him go down. Absolutely, I, dude. I'm with you, and I, th- I think that's a great point. You know, we've lusted a little bit over Brock Bowers, and and I think and I think giving him the proper praise and credit that he deserved. I mean, we, we've said a thousand times, give him the trophy now. Well, now he's not even going to make the ceremony, and it, and it's just a dang shame because yeah. he has been the most outstanding player. Uh, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm looking at Tennessee fans. I'm going, man, I know how you feel with the whole Hendon Hooker thing. I, I, I mean, yeah. I get it, uh, and I empathize for 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 Georgia and for him and for uh, Georgia fans. I will say this, as good as he is and outstanding as he is, I don't know that he's all that needed. There you go. Because their tight end room is so deep, but, man, he is outstanding. And uh, the 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 college football fan of me wants to see him in a, in a red 19 jersey again, wants to see him play. I don't want to see him against us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't wish anybody be hurt. But, but I, I don't you don't want him against, to be this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, don't, you don't ever want that to unfold. And, and I'll say this, too. Uh, on the topic of injury, um, this is why you don't boo injuries because Neyland stayed and booed, and then Walter Nolan turned out actually to be something legit, uh, yep. which is also another reason. Uh, you know, I'll go a step further. Also, the reason that the NCAA needs to fix that crap uh, with Good the fake injuries there, yeah. because I'm gonna take the the Tennessee fan side here because we've just, we've seen it. I mean, we've just seen so many fakes and it looked totally innocent and it's actually not innocent at all, but nonetheless. And, and DJ Durkin, I believe was, was Lane Kiffin's defensive coordinator in 2021 when there was a hundred fake injuries, I, I believe. Don't Dude, quote me, but I believe that's the case. I think you're right. I forgot all about that. I forgot but, all about but yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, that's the thing is it creates the shameful, you know, turn of events when, when someone that's hurt gets booed. Yeah, and it's just it's just absolutely unnecessary. Hey, I'd like to end with one thing before we hop up here. Are, you got anything else? Uh, no, man. That's I spilled my guts today. I'm good. All right. So I gave I gave Georgia and Brock Bowers all the credit. Now I'm going to take a jab at him. Vanderbilt for the first time all season covered. <laughs> it was a thirty-two and a half point spread. And Vanderbilt found a way to lose by 17. They cut it in half. Good for them. Hey, they they really had a chance to threaten Georgia there for a brief moment late in that game. But, you know, sometimes you sleepwalk into Nashville, Tennessee, and things happen. For sure. Uh, And it's very easy to sleepwalk in Nashville, Tennessee. My gosh, what a boring place to play a game. 100%. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Man, appreciate you ending the show right there, Mike, with that list. That was that was heat, brother. Like you like over here, Eminem, like the, the podcast version of a of a white rapper. I mean, just Andy Minio in that thing, bro. I couldn't sleep Saturday night, man. It kept me up. It kept me up until we were able to talk about this stuff. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about can't wait to record. Can't wait to record. Thank you guys to listening. Uh, for listening to our recording. We appreciate you so much. Continue to tell people and and your friends, uh, like this video. And, and I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it does so much for our algorithm when you press like or you just get somebody to subscribe. They're like, hey, man, you might not ever listen to – you might hate college, but will you just – will you subscribe to this? It's going to help them out. It helps us out a ton. Uh, we've had random listeners starting to hit us up. I think that's neat. Uh, we have a we have an interesting crew in Bulgaria that follows us. 
according to our analytics. Uh, nonetheless, so cool. I'm Dan. He's Mike. This is Pandemonium Reigns. God bless. Go Balls. Here we go. Pandemonium Reigns.